Welcome to Peer to Peer, the podcast, brought to you by Rainer. Listen in as we hear from top surgeons having great conversations with their peers about hot and popular topics in ophthalmology. Welcome to part two of this two-episode series on blended vision with host Dr. Ben LaHood and Mr. Alastair Stewart. Let's jump back in to continue the conversation. Um, now, with these uh, all of these different advanced technology lenses that are available, I always think one thing that we really have to talk about is how sort of our refractive accuracy, what can we achieve compared to what we aim for? Because as you'll know, some lenses, people will say, look, you need to aim for minus 0.5. And I think, wow, if I could always achieve that, I would be just run off my feet with patients if I was that good every time. What do you think of the refractive accuracy of the EMV so far? Uh, And do you think you can achieve what you target? So it's it's pretty darn good. I think my data so far is around about 80% within half a doctor of my intended target. When they tend to be off, they tend to come out more myopic. So I had a patient just this week who we aimed for monovision plano minus 150, and she's come out at minus 0.5 and minus 2. So her reading's fantastic, but her distance is poor. Um, so it, it's it, it it's good, very good in terms of its refractive accuracy, but it's it's fallible like any lens. Mm. But it is more forgiving. I think it's more forgiving in a in the plano plano system. If you're trying to put both eyes to, to distance and then gain that little bit of extra reading, it's a lot more forgiving from that point of view. If you land at plus 0.5, they won't lose any more distance than they won't lose much distance. Whereas if you had that with a standard monofocal, their vision would tail off very quickly. So it has a bigger landing zone per se. But when you're using a monovision setup, and again, this is just like Presbyond, being on target becomes more important because you're asking that eye to do more of a role on its own. And you, as soon as you have a, 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 a disrupt that system, you're not right where you want to be. Patients fall off quite, quite quickly in terms of what they get visually. And what are you targeting Alistair for your emotropic eyes? What would you give as a tip for people out there? Would you target right on emotropia? I do feel like I'm giving away all of your secrets here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm uh, fine by that. <laughs> thank you. It's actually very generous. I think anyone listening, you wouldn't believe how cagey most refractive surgeons are about telling the secrets. So this is a, this is a gold mine. My teaching was always that if we can all raise our bar together, patients will be more interested in coming to, coming to see us all generally. There's There's plenty of food to to go around and it's better that we all share our knowledge oh please come to australia and do some teaching that'd be wonderful <laughs> um, what, what would you would you aim for bang on emotropia i wouldn't no my, my experience tells me that i aim for the first plus okay so the first plus on the biometry will be what i'll do for my plano eye and i've started now to tend to aim for though i want them at minus 150 to start to aim actually biometry it's minus 0.25. And then when they refract, they end up refracting to minus 150. But that then is another discussion on refraction in a patient with spherical aberration. It's very difficult for your optoms to refract accurately these patients because their end point refraction becomes a bit more blurred. It yeah. becomes difficult. These patients will, will happily accept more minus in their refraction too. So you don't really know exactly where that refraction is. I'd encourage people to the push plus in their refraction for that reason because pushing plus will give you a, a hard end point to your refraction now whether it gives you the, the true refraction doesn't matter much as long as everyone in your unit is doing the same thing because what you want 
is consistent refractions across clinicians in your unit. And if you can get that, then you can start auditing your data. Otherwise, if everyone's refracting in different ways, you, you, you're not comparing apples with apples. And to coin the phrase, it was garbage in, garbage out. Have you uh, inherited the uh, obsessive compulsive refractive habits of the London Vision Clinic? <laughs> I may have done, yeah. I, was, <laughs> I have to say I was taught well, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Um, you know, uh, one issue I've had with other lenses has been satisfaction with distance vision, because right. I think that, you know, we can achieve some satisfactory intermediate and near vision relatively easily. But my biggest fear, especially with refractive lens exchange, is taking away distance quality. And I think that that's one issue that uh, has been... I suppose sort of uh, danced about a little bit. I'll see it sometimes here. Surgeons say, look, I always achieve 2020 distance vision, but I give them something extra. And I find that in my hands, I don't think that's always been true with every EDOF design. I think it sometimes has left patients at six over 7.5, six over nine. Okay. What do you think, honestly, in terms of Ray one EMV distance quality, when you do really hit the target, a good quality eye, a healthy eye, do you, does it is it detrimental to distance vision compared to a standard monofocal? My experience is no, and I have a little bit of experience also in in measuring um, the contrast sensitivity afterwards too, and that is maintained mm. very very well even in the refractive lens exchange patients. So my I don't really have too much of a worry. I think what we then start to sort of lean into is also that that within the EDOF umbrella. There are different types of lens. There are lenses that are still diffractive that have been termed EDOF. And mm. that can be really, really confusing because if it's got rings, it's diffractive. Just to dive a little deeper, what do you think compared to, just in your experience, say, segmental refractive IOLs? You know, they're also popular. There's been a few popular designs lately with those as well. Uh, do you have you got experience using them alongside the Ray One? I, I don't have any experience of using segmental IOLs personally. Um, I still think if you've got more than one focal point, you you are running the gauntlet of having the drop in distance quality and the drop in drop in contrast sensitivity. Um, yeah, the kind of the multifocal technology has moved towards trying to do you know reduce the ad to reduce the glare but then you're going to lose some on the reading so th there's there's no way you there's no such thing as a free lunch right there's no there's no perfect here um and i think that's really important with em with emv with all these edops there is no perfect lens because if there was everybody would use the same lens for every single patient it's still an awful lot of patient counseling patient selection that's involved for these lenses but i do yeah tend to sleep better at night after patients yeah. that have had true EDOFs rather than multifocals because my my worry for the multifocal patients as I'm sure everyone has experienced is there are those patients that a year down the line are still unhappy despite perfect surgery and perfect results on paper they're unhappy and what do you do with that patient you're you're, you're in a tricky situation because really your only way of making that patient better is to do a lens exchange and that's more surgery with more risks than the first one that you did probably particularly if the lens has been there for a year and then what lens are you going to put in you're probably going to put in a standard monofocal and you're going to take away all the benefit that that patient had so you really are 
backed into a corner in that situation. Whereas with with using non-diffractive EDOFs and using modified monovision, I keep telling myself that really the worst that could happen if they get through surgery and with no complications is that they don't tolerate the anisometropia. Well, that's fine because glasses will balance that straight away. And if they're not happy to do that, we can do laser and make the anisometropia slightly less sure they're going to lose a little bit of reading, but not all of it. You know, even if you took them all the way to planar, we know that those patients will still probably be N10. So you've got a way out. And that that just makes me feel a lot happier counseling these patients than they do a trifocals. And that's not to say I don't do any trifocals. I do, because there are some patients who, even through all this counseling, still want to trifocal. And I think it's probably fair to say that a trifocal will give you a better range of vision than doing modified monovision. I think the reading results of trifocals are still slightly better. But it's darn close now. I think my, I think from my data of EMVs with monovision at minus one fifty, we had seventy eight percent of patients with twenty twenty N five. So it, it's pretty darn pretty good. good. Pretty damn that, good. That will that will keep most patients happy in my mind. Yeah, that's really refreshing to talk to someone who's speaking honestly about a lens and isn't just saying everything is absolutely perfect. I don't use any <laughs> other lenses. I've never touched a trifocal in my life. So thank you. Uh, and also, I agree that there are very few problems that can't be solved with a laser. So thank you for that, too. Well, I think that's everything I wanted to ask you about, Alistair. Was there anything about the Ray One MV that you'd like to discuss, That anything that I haven't covered so far, anything you'd like to bring up or any especially tips or advice or just experience you'd like to say? Sure. I guess uh, I think if people are considering using the lens, I think um, Alan Barsom's tip on this, I think I totally agree with, was to, to start with plano plano, just use it as you would a standard monofocal and see what you get. So it's a really nice, easy way to, to dip your toe into the water. If you're a, a surgeon that's just been using standard monofocals at plano, but you want to offer something more to your patients, you don't have to change anything. You, you're doing exactly the same biometry calculations. It's all the same surgery. You don't have to really think about much else and start seeing what the patients get. And you'll see these patients will tell you that in good light they can read pretty well that they still need yeah. their plus ones if they're in a restaurant and the, the lighting's dim and then once you've done that and you've got used to how the lens behaves in the eye how the injector works then you can start saying well do i want to aim for a little bit more and start offering my patients you know potentially glasses independence do i want to start incorporating that nice treatment just take it slow start with 050 see how you go and then maybe go further from there. And it, it, you really haven't got much to lose doing that. It's a very, very safe way to start dipping into the, I hate the term, but the premium market, if you like. That makes sense. Elsa, do you, do you put a lot of uh, emphasis on ocular dominance? Um, I do, if I can. So again, with the cataract patients, that can be difficult. So with the cataract patients, I'll most of the time rely on which hand they use because the vast majority of people are, if they're right-handed, they'll be right-eye dominant. Um, but you can have patients that will throw you off where they were right-eye dominant till they got asymmetric cataract, and then they start using their other eye a little bit more. In the refractive lens patients, then they've got clear lens. So yeah, you can go to town and measuring it. So we have three or four ways that we'll do it. So we'll check which hand, obviously. You give them an old school little Kodak camera to have a look through and see which eye they use. Um, we can then test ocular dominance with pointing in the in the in the um, in the clinic, and then ask them about hobbies. You know, we where where we practice, there's quite a few people who shoot, 
Um, that's always a useful way of seeing which eye they use. Um, it's so also a worry if you don't get a good outcome. But that's right. Right. Yeah, but they're, they're used to shooting pheasant where, <laughs> where we live rather than people, thankfully. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Are we, are we at a stage yet where you're handing people a, an old-fashioned camera and they look at it and think, I've got no idea what oh, this is? Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. tends to be more for our, for our laser patients because we'll still test it even if they're they're having their, uh, a standard, a standard yeah. treatment for distance. But yeah, patients in their 20s have got no idea what it is. They hold it further out and start trying to use it like a, like a camera. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Well, thanks so much, Alistair. It's been so good to chat to you and, you know, your experience and your willingness to share your experience about the Ray One MV is invaluable. So I think everyone listening will be really excited to try using it or you know, use these tips that you've given them. Sure. Thanks so much for joining me. That's my pleasure. Thanks very much. In the next episode of Peer to Peer, the podcast, host Dr. Ben LaHood will be joined by Miss Lucia Pellicini to discuss toric IOLs and astigmatism management. For more information about this episode's topic and to read the show notes, visit the Peer to Peer hub at rayna.com forward slash peer to peer. Ray1 EMV has not been registered as an EDOF lens with the FDA, as it is not designed to satisfy ANSI Z80.35. Ray1 EMV is a new type of lens that does not have the drawbacks associated with EDOF or diffractive lenses. If you enjoyed listening to this conversation, please subscribe to our channel to be notified of new episodes. This podcast is provided for general information purposes only. The presenter's views are their own. Rayner does not endorse off-label use. Users must refer to the product labelling and instructions for use for Rayner products in all cases. Not all Rayner products are available in all countries. The full disclaimer can be found in the show notes. Thank you.